So this morning, I got up earlier than I have gotten up on a Sunday morning for a whole year. It was still dark outside. And I had laid everything out so that all I would have to do is get out of bed, feed the cat, get dressed, grab my things, leave. Like, I didn't want to have to think about anything because it was that early in the morning. And so I did all of that, and I got into my car, and as I was walking to the car, I noticed how dark it was, and the moon was hanging in the sky just between the trees that are in between my house and the neighbor's house. And I began to wonder, as I have for weeks, about these women who were on their way to the tomb so early in the morning. I began to wonder what they were thinking. What were they feeling? And then I got into my car, and I was taking some deep breaths because, well, it's Easter Sunday. There's going to be people in the sanctuary. Who knows what technology is going to do? Because we never know. And that, that drape thing, it never goes down twice the same way. So I was telling myself, just breathe deeply, no matter what happens, Jesus has still risen. It will be okay. And I pulled out of the driveway, and I, I get down the street a little bit, and I realize suddenly that my work keys are not in the car with me. Now, this wouldn't normally be a problem because Tamara is always here, but it's Easter Sunday morning. It's now 5 o'clock in the morning, and I know that I'm going to be the first one here. So I, fran I pull over, turn on the lights. I think, oh my gosh, I hope the neighbor who's across the street who has told me that she gets up very early, I hope she doesn't see me doing this. And I get in and I'm looking in my bag because maybe they're there because I remember taking them out of the other car that I had driven the day before. But no, they're not there. And so I turn around, luckily I hadn't gotten far, turn around and I get in and as I'm pulling up into my driveway, I think, I don't have my house keys because I haven't had to use my house keys for almost a year, because there's always somebody home. So does that garage door remote thing work? Because I don't have a clicker in that car that I was driving. I'm like, oh gosh, my dad's gonna kill me if I wake him up. It's five o'clock in the morning. So I get up and I have my phone so I can see the pad that opens the garage door remotely, you know, and it worked. I was thanking Jesus all the way to the door, which was unlocked because it's the garage door, and we never lock the garage door because we live in Wisconsin. And so I start frantically searching because I remember taking those keys out of the car last night when I got home. Can't find the keys. They're nowhere to be found. And I thought, maybe, Karen, at the end of Holy Week before Easter Sunday, you just thought you took the keys out of the car. And sure enough, go to the car that I drove yesterday, and there they were. <sighs> Taking deep breaths, get back in my car, start driving away, and I think, I wonder if those women that first Easter morning forgot something at home. I wonder if they got all prepared, just like I did, and as they were leaving the house, they were like, oh, the cloth, we need the cloth, or we need the spices. I've been wondering a lot about these women as they made their way to the tomb, most likely making their way down from the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley to the outskirts of Jerusalem where they had laid their friend, their rabbi, 
their everything? Were the words of Isaiah's prophecy of the amazing things that God was going to do for the nation of Israel, were those rising in their souls as grief rolled over them? Did they wonder about the hope of their ancestors at the dawn of the Exodus because they had just heard that story at the Passover? As they carried those spices to the grave of their beloved, was there even anything to say other than, who will roll away the stone? In those early morning hours, before the sun rises, as the sun began to just lighten the sky, Did they hold hope, or did they hold their breath? I'm pretty sure they weren't remembering what Jesus had said to them, because he surely could not have been speaking literally about being raised from the dead, because death, death is so final. Like, death is death. Except for Lazarus, there was that one thing, but still, Death is so real, so final. They weren't thinking about resurrection that early morning as the sun was just lighting the sky because how could they have been? But they believed Jesus. They believed Jesus when he said that he was the Son of God. They believed him when he taught and healed and how they knew in those moments that he was the one sent by the Creator. When they watched as he ate with sinners, or as they ate with him, they could feel it in their bones, deep in their souls, that he was the Messiah. But he didn't conquer, at least not in the ways that they were led to believe that the Messiah would. Instead, Jesus gave hope, hope for a new way of living life. Jesus made sure that each person knew their worth in the eyes of not only God, but of humanity. Jesus restored a people, healed people. But he was dead now. So they take their spices and their cloth and they make their way to the tomb to perform the death rituals for their beloved. And maybe they weren't thinking anything on that walk. Maybe they were just staring at the spices in their hands and wondering what could possibly be next. What they didn't know, what they couldn't know, is what we know. That resurrection was already at work as they made their way to the tomb. That there, in the dark of night, light was being born again. Already resurrection. Already the words being practiced on the mouth of that angel, he has been raised. He is not here. But seriously, what kind of nonsensical words are those? If he isn't here, where is he? Because dead people don't get up and walk, except for maybe in zombie tag, and then they do, but that's another story. How does any of this possibly make sense? It's too much. Their hearts, their minds, their souls can't take it all in. He has been raised. He is not here. Doesn't make any sense. So they run, afraid, terrified, Mark says, and they tell 
no one. So the English translation for Mark's ending of his gospel ends with, for they were afraid. They told no one, for they were afraid. But an interesting thing about the Greek words used here, the words are ephabuntu gar, literally translated, they were afraid for, that's it. That's how Mark ends his gospel. And I can imagine that storyteller, that first storyteller, getting to this end and looking around that room at a group of people most likely meeting in secret, perhaps in an upper room, and saying, they were afraid for. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Those opening words of Mark's that they had just heard as the story was being told would have come flooding back to them. This is the victory story of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, ringing in their ears as they waited for what was next, for that storyteller to finish the sentence. Maybe it took some of them a little bit longer to catch on. They were afraid for? For what? It's a cliffhanger. It isn't like any of the other Gospels. We don't have Jesus saying Mary's name belovedly. We don't have Peter running to the tomb to see that it's empty. There's no seaside fish breakfast. There's no walks to Emmaus. Mark just simply ends with, they were afraid for? And Mark's ending to the resurrection story isn't neat and tidy. Because Easter isn't neat and tidy. Easter is messy. Resurrection is messy. It's love for all the world, turning everything upside down. Everything we understand to be right and true in the world is turned upside down. It's grief and fear and uncertainty and hope and faith all rolled into one. Resurrection is messy. And yet, the hope of those resurrection words that the angel speaks reverberates not only in that group of people who first heard this gospel, but in our souls. He has been raised. He is not here. So where is he? Jesus just doesn't go away because that isn't what this love is about. Jesus is, if we remember the Christmas story, love incarnate, sent to live and breathe and move among the people so that they would know the truth of God. He is not here, the angel says. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. Jesus, in his resurrection, goes ahead of the disciples who are gripped in fear and grief. Jesus goes before the ones who gather to hear this story of Mark's in the shadow of persecution. And Jesus goes before us. 
us who are weary of this life, us who are weary of this pandemic and are seeking a return to normalcy that actually makes sense. So often, we think of Easter as something that comes and elevates our life to something that looks like perfection, that looks like a life that we're supposed to hold on to and grab tightly. The problem is we grab on to that life so tightly there's no room for the Spirit to work. There's no room for God's love. And so we actually choke the life out of life. But the reality is Easter does not raise us up. Easter comes down to us into our own lives in the midst of all that is imperfect. The dirty dishes, the screaming kids, the unsure futures, the bad grades, the no promotions, the losing the business, the death and the illness, the fear and the uncertainty. And Easter reminds us that in the midst of all of it, Jesus Jesus who loves beyond anything we can know. Jesus who gives us peace. Jesus who fills us with hope. Jesus who walks with us along the way. Jesus who is life and light. Jesus who walks with us so that even in the face of death we can say, I believe I am not afraid. Jesus, the light and life and the hope that gives us the courage to wade into the mess of life, to give us the courage to dare to talk about the things nobody else will talk about, to say this world is broken, but Jesus, but Easter. The resurrected Christ doesn't promise a shiny and perfect life all the time. The resurrected Christ means that no matter what life throws at us, Jesus is already here, waiting for us, walking with us, loving us through it all with the steady promise of a different way to be that is, in fact, the heart of life. To be generous, to be kind, to be filled with grace and love for all people. It's a way of love that doesn't need perfection or the illusion of it to know our worth, but instead weighs into and through the hard things and trusts that Jesus is not only coming alongside us as we live, but goes ahead of us to prepare our way. There's been a lot this past year that's been messy. Grief and despair has gripped us, and again and again, the resurrected Jesus has shown up because Jesus has gone before us in all that this year has been. Resurrection is messy. It's spray paint, trash bags, and plastic chicken wire proclaiming the truth of Easter, that in the death and resurrection of Jesus, the long-promised Messiah, not only are we assured of our salvation, but we're assured of Jesus' presence here in our lives. And again and again and again, our alleluias ring because we are not alone. Again and again and again, our prayers are woven together to create a beauty here on earth that has nothing to do with perfection and everything to do with love. Early that first Easter morning, just as the sun was coming up, the women made their way to the tomb, pretty sure of what they were going to find. And it wasn't resurrection. 
And yet, resurrection came anyway. Again and again, the ripples of that resurrection are felt, as again and again the truth of God's love is revealed to us. And again and again, we are changed. Just as certainly as the sun rises, the risen Jesus meets us, love incarnate, showing us the way. So we say, Alleluia. Again and again, we say, Alleluia.